in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another brand new episode of the Top 10. I am John Roca. And I am Matt Nos, and I am going to be curious as to whether or not the opening of this video is going to have the hip hop hip, hip and then uh, <laughs> the start. There was a slight technical difficulty, and I, yeah. I think it might bleed over. There might be a little bit of uh, welcome to radio. I mean, half uh, syllable <laughs> behind the scenes, hip hop hip, 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 and then it starts. Yeah, I hit the start, and you know, normally it takes about two seconds, and then boom, it goes. But for whatever reason, I and I just uh, kind of reflexively hit the video, and then it supposedly started. Then it didn't start, so I was like, "Oh, we're about to come out of the video. Maybe I didn't hit live strong enough." And then as I'm about to go hit it, uh, it says you're live, and I'm like, "Ah, shit! All right, let's start all over again." So yeah. there you go, nice little behind the scenes. Look, this uh, shit happens. I accidentally yeah. started to uh, settle the score once, and I forgot to set it to private. It's the only time I've ever done any show <laughs> without setting it to private. Started streaming, and then I looked up at the top left where the <laughs> counter is, and it was like, you have 32 people watching. It was like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> oh, well, and then, you know, it was like 10 minutes in. That point, was like, we're going. We're going to finish the show. Yeah. Uh, so you can't stop halfway through. No, not with you that far in. No. No, that was like you caught it within a second and a half. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, whatever. The video had just started, and then it went to nothing. And you're like, I hit the wrong button, and instantly that was like, I've been there. That's uh, that's happened to to me before. So, yeah. Uh, how are you? I'm good. Good. Um, just been busy. Um, went to see Thor: Love and Thunder again last night as we're recording this. Uh, I really liked the movie, so it was nice to go see it again. And have some fun with that. Um, the boys is about to wrap up this week. Miss um, Marvel wraps up next week, so it's a lot going on, man. Um, is Miss Mar- Marvel worth it? I haven't watched it yet. I like it. Yeah, it's a good. I think the last couple of episodes they're starting to stumble. The first three episodes I think were really good, and the last two episodes, which I've enjoyed the exploration of the culture and the history attached to all of this i think they just didn't develop strong enough villains and so when you're getting the background on all this stuff it doesn't have as much weight as you were hoping um and you can do a young adult show and still have you know weight to it and i think they're defaulting to the more softer cuddlier side of things even though yes they're deaths yes there are powers being used but they're so safe deaths that it doesn't have the same kind of power or effect as you would hope it would have um, as you're watching it. Uh, but for the most part, I think all the actors are doing a really good job. I think the lead is starting to show some cracks. And it's her first thing that she's ever done. And she's, what, like 18, 19, something like that. So you're going to see the cracks because she's not that experienced for the camera. So I yeah. think that you're seeing them now as things get more emotional. I think you're starting to see some limitations to her acting at this point in her development as an actress. That's what I would say. 
but I liked it. But I like it overall. Yeah, fair enough. All right, yeah. sounds like one I could skip. <laughs> I've already skipped it. So, look, if it's had you told me the inverse, uh, the first couple are shaky, but it's right. Oh yeah, but it gets better. Yeah, yeah. That makes that makes sense for any TV show. You right, got to right. figure out the characters and how they interact and all that stuff yeah. as you build and develop, and then it really pays off. Whereas if it's the opposite, yeah, like oh well, shit. How do they land this bird then? Um, no, I hear you. It's a valid point. Absolutely valid point, man. But the boys, I will definitely co-sign. This oh. season's been really good, dude. This has been the best season of the series, in my opinion. It's been so good. I mean, the first season was great, but this season has been chilling man in certain moments and i've never seen supernatural but after watching yeah, this guy as soldier boy i'm kind of like maybe i need to go start this i show. was when they announced they're bringing yeah. him on all i knew was from memes of supernatural yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. uh never seen a second of the show yeah so it was just like well there's there's got to be a reason that nobody i know literally nobody i know watches this now there could be some people that i do know that watch but they never talk about it with me right Right, right, right. But that to me tells me something. It doesn't come up and be like, you know what show you need to be watching is the show that I love. So when they announced him, I'm like, ooh, yeah. I have no idea how this is going to go. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's been great. The, the last little twist on the episode, uh, the oh. last week's yeah. was great. Yeah. And can't wait. to. It, it's unfortunate that uh, it's going to end. And I'm yeah. looking forward to more, much like Stranger Things. Oh, man, that was good, too. Yeah. I saw yeah, someone I complaining about the Russia stuff, and I'm like, oh, I really I like that. It was a nice departure. Yeah, some people have issues with the Russian storyline. I don't get it. I, I loved it. And, and maybe it's an it was age fun. thing. Like for us, like the Cold War is a, like something we experienced to a degree. And so seeing it play out in the way it's played out in the 1980s makes all kinds of sense. Mm-hmm. And maybe for younger demographics that didn't have any – that have no knowledge of an actual experience of the Cold like didn't live through it, maybe they don't. Maybe they're not connecting to the storyline quite as much. I don't know. I don't know because I liked it. Um, yeah. They, those storylines also bring in just a little bit of humor. Yes, absolutely. Compared to uh, the rest, which is all super serious, which is understandable. We're talking about yeah, the end yeah. of, you know, not only the world, but human existence here. For me, the weakest was the two brothers with the uh, stoner dude and um, the pizza truck. That was the, the and, and, and Will. That was the, to me, the, the least. Uh, strong storyline uh, until uh, you know. Uh, well, I don't want to spoil it, but until certain a certain somebody yeah. joins their crew. So um, to me, it was uh, it wasn't quite as strong, um, and I think that's on purpose. I, I think they they think those three aren't the best actors in the crew, so they gave them a little bit less to do for the overall story that they were trying to tell here in the show. Uh, and so there you go. Nothing against. Those actors, I just think they feel like they're not quite as dialed into the what they're doing on the show. It's my opinion. Possibly. Yeah. But you got to separate them to reunite them for the one big final mm-hmm. push. Mm-hmm. Although, for some reason, I was under the illusion that this was the last season. Yeah, my girlfriend thought the same thing. Yeah. She was halfway through, and she's like, are they able to wrap this all up in like four episodes? I go, no, honey, it's not the last season. She's no, it's the last season. I'm like, it's That's, not the last I season. swear to God, I thought that going into yeah. it too. So the whole, all the L storyline is like, man, they are yeah. spending a lot of time on this. Yeah. Uh, so I, I wasn't a fan of the L storyline. I was like, why are we spending so much? Let's get her back with, if we're going to wrap all this now in hindsight, it's like, yeah, I yeah. get it. You had to 
draw all that stuff out because the next season, which is billed as being the final. Yeah, it is being billed as the final, yeah. Who knows if that's actually the case? Right. Because I swear to God, they build season four as the final. Because <laughs> they were like, how many times can this happen in Hawkins? We get it. So this yeah. is going to be it. I swear I read that. Yeah. But I usually could be wrong because I try and stay away from all that type of information. I'd rather just go into it blindly. But it's kind of hard to mistake thinking something's going to be the finale. Yeah. Uh, I mean, wants, uh, I mean uh, they said Peaky Blinders, this was the final season. And that season finished. And I was like, there's no fucking way that's the final season. There's no way. There's no way. There's no way. So and it wasn't like Sopranos where it felt like, okay, they, you got a window into their life and then it closed. This one <laughs> left a lot of shit open-ended that I was like, there's the unsatisfactorily ended it. Even yeah. a lot of people upset. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I stopped watching Peaky a while ago. So yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, good it good, no? it's good television, bro. Like right now, there's a lot of good television out there. There's a lot of good stuff to enjoy. Um, I'm having a hard time keeping up to everything, but I, you know, but I'm enjoying the hell out of how good television is right now on all the streaming stuff. Right. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm watching, I'm finishing up breeders, which is fucking great this season and on Hulu and the old man, which is damn good. The Jeff Bridges one. Oh my God. It's good. I've watched the first three. I haven't oh. seen episode four yet, dude. So Catherine's good. not a fan. So I'm watching really? that one solo. Yeah. 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 She didn't enjoy it. Um, and then, you know, Peaky on Netflix and then, um, what we have on Amazon prime with the boys. So, you know, and, and all the streaming services have some great stuff going on, right? People loving strange new worlds on Paramount plus, which I have yet to watch. Um, Hey, you know, it's Star Trek. Yeah. A lot of people say it's the old school Star Trek. So I really, really want to watch it. I just gotta maybe set aside a Saturday and just sit there and binge the whole fucking thing and have a good time. It's, it's a classic episodic television. There's mm. going to be some through storylines. They obviously set up in the first one. I've only seen two, mm. but uh, yeah, I like the characters. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a few that I wouldn't be upset if they're, they got sh- you know transferred to another ship or something. <laughs> Don't necessarily on. mean kill off, but there's one in particular where I was uh, like, no, I'm not a fan yeah. of this character, <laughs> but one out of, you know, an ensemble cast. That's not bad. I'd like to transfer these guys, please. Thank you. <laughs> Pretty sure the one that I don't like is going to stick around too. Probably. So Probably. at the very least for this, obviously this season, because it's already been shot, but yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. They, maybe it's a CSI situation where the fan backlash on certain people then gets a character killed off in season two or something. Yeah. Possible. <laughs> Possibly. But Matt, come on. We'd be remiss not to talk about the madness going on in the NBA already over the last uh, few days. Um, before we dive into our top 10, which is the top 10 film set in Paris, or where a predominant amount of the film is occurs in Paris. Um, this has been crazy. Um, Durant, Irving, Gobert, all these switches going on. Uh, and the money being doled out is just insane. So how are, what is your reaction to all of it now as you sit back? Because it seems to be everyone's like taking a breath now with summer league starting and everything like that. Mm-hmm. What do you, what, what's your assessment however, of how everything has gone down? And Bradley Beal getting a no trade clause, which makes no fucking sense for $250 well, million. Yeah, it's his $251 million is the, the one that doesn't make any sense. I agree. Yeah. Washington had to do it, I guess, because they 
they don't attract anyone. And yeah. look, there's only a few markets that really do. Yeah. So you guys are in the same boat as a lot of teams. Uh, whereas like uh, Jokic's extension makes all yeah. the sense in the world. Yeah. And all the rookie super maxes, the extensions that they got make all the sense. You're like, of course you're going to do this. Mm-hmm. Booker's going to get the the max. So is Ja. So is et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. So the huge all contract, right. Jalen Brunson for 25. I don't understand why the Knicks covet him that much. Yeah. That was weird. We'll see though. Uh, you know, cause the reaction from, the guys that are roughly his age in the league were like, he deserves it. This guy's great. Mm. And uh, we'll see. I, 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 I don't know. It just seems like a very Nixian signing to overpay mm. for somebody that yeah. only his home team was willing to pay him anywhere near that type of money. Uh, and Brunson was never going to stay with Dallas anyway. Right. So you kind of had that, Hey, as long as you go a dollar over what Dallas is offering, yeah. I think you can have them. Hell, you could even match what Dallas is offering and you could have them. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, the Go Bear one, I just don't understand all the picks. Yeah, that was a lot. Yeah, because the, the, you have to assume part of their thinking is, well, if it doesn't work out, then he's still a tradable asset. But he's 30 years old, so that yeah. tradable asset is just getting older. And you just gave up five, you know, Three picks, one protected, one through four, one through five pick, and then a pick swap. So basically five picks plus your previous two years first round draft picks. Yeah. So in essence, you gave up seven draft picks for Rudy Gobert. And not just the draft picks. You also gave up like being able to negotiate trades and yeah. having assets. Flexibility. With which to trade. Yeah, exactly. Flexibility. Right. That's a great point. Flexibility. That's the word I'm looking for. You gave all that up. Now, in the hope that this is the answer, you think go. I mean, you don't spend this much unless you think Gobert is the answer, the piece you've been missing. Um, and you look at the defensive statistics of the Wolves last year, and you go, "Okay, yeah, it makes sense yeah, to bring in sure. a guy who's going to be better on defense." And they've got the offense handled. But by the same token, you're right. This is a guy that's 30 years old, um, clearly burnt bridges on the Jazz. Is he going to be popping out for a three-pointer? Is he one nope. of those? No, he's more of a old-school center. And are we? is the league starting to move back to the old-school centers? That doesn't seem to no. make sense to me. So just an odd decision. And it's not like Cat's a fucking alpha. Um, he may think he's an alpha, but and they certainly were frisky against those Grizzlies. Um, but I don't think this is your missing piece, especially because he's not going to provide you that much offense to to complement the defense. So I don't know, man. It just Yeah, I'd be curious because late game situations when he ain't shooting means he's got to sit on the bench. And that's a lot yeah. of money to have to be sitting on the bench. And you could point towards like uh, the Cavs and say, well, they're running out Mobley plus Jared Allen plus like Laurie Markin and whatnot. They got size for days and be like, yeah, but those guys can shoot can or shoot. and or are at least willing to shoot yeah. outside of just getting oops and whatnot. Uh, you know, there's yeah. a reason that DeAndre Jordan doesn't really have the same pull right. that he once did. Or Andre Drummond or all these other guys that were yeah. centers that can't shoot threes. That they- JaVale is a more valuable asset than the yeah. two of them just yeah. because he can shoot a little bit further out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That one, that one is just baffling. The yeah. lack of flexibility that that offers you f- in the future just because you're looking at the West and be like, well, you know, the Clippers, if they come back and actually stay healthy, that's going to be a problem. John Wall. 
Uh, yeah, picking up John Wall. Like their depth is nuts. Yeah. yeah. Um, Denver is going to return theirs uh, to full health and mm-hmm. picking up KCP. Although sacrificing, you know, uh, uh, Barton and uh, Morris to get him, yeah. it's a little bit much. But he, he'll fit better with their starting line. They're just their bench isn't going to be near as deep. But Denver full health, yeah. even without two of their three best players, they were they still made the playoffs. Um, you know, there are certain teams that are going to drop off. Obviously, Utah looks like they're going to drop off. Oh yeah, Portland is going to stay more than likely somewhat irrelevant. Yeah, but I think, but I think they did make some nice moves here to give them a better chance to at least contend for possibly getting into the Western Conference Finals. Don't I don't know if I, they will. Talking about Portland? Yeah, Portland. I feel like they picked up some nice players to kind of compliment uh, Dame and and see what they can make happen and re- as you said resigning Nur- Nurkic was huge so but that's what I think I, I like the players they picked up I think I, the- I will be curious yeah yeah because after they made all those moves then Dame did put out a Instagram post or tweet or something saying you know loyalty only there's an expiration date on loyalty Dame. um Dame's always doing that nonsense yeah, but he's always said, I'm loyal. I'm he loyal. Does. I'm staying. And now this is like, meh, same tune, different key. He'll be the first person to tell you how loyal he is. <laughs> I mean, he's proven it thus far. He could have demanded a trade to get out of there. Yeah, he could have. He could have. He could have. Uh, um, yeah, like them signing uh, Anfordy Simons for over 100 mil. Yeah. I don't know who they were bidding against, but it's a homegrown talent. So you kind of have to overpay for that yeah. because you're not going to be attracting. You know, there's only a handful of markets that attract Los Angeles, New yeah. York, technically New York, uh, Miami. And then after that, it's just like you need to be a proven winner or yeah. show promise. Uh, look like a place where someone can go and win a couple of championships and then maybe they'll sign with you. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Do you sense Durant will be playing for Brooklyn on opening night? <sighs> Uh, the Nets asking price right now is staggeringly high. I yeah. do. I mean, I agree with their assessment. I just don't know that anybody, like the T Wolves, inquired, and apparently the Nets said, "Hey, great, we'll take Cat plus Anthony Edwards plus it was either th- I believe three picks." And you're like, "Okay, then why don't you just tell them to go fuck off?" Yeah, exactly. Why'd you waste my time? Yeah, Cat. It's like, okay, that's a legitimate Anthony Edwards. That's going to be the face of their franchise. Right. Never going to happen. And Toronto is unwilling to put Scotty Barnes in any kind of trade package. Um, apparently, the Nets have no interest in DeAndre Aiden and Bridges Johnson. I think that's probably their best haul, yeah. plus like two or three picks. Uh, but they built like trading a first rounder for Royce O'Neal when you're already light on first rounders. Yeah. Really looks like you're trying to build a team around your core guys. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I I don't I, I don't know what exactly they're doing. I think they're trying to do you know both things simultaneously. It'll be curious to see how it plays out. It's also shameless a little bit from Kyrie's side of things, right? I mean, like this fucking organization put up with your bullshit last year yeah. the whole time. And the first and you're opting back in at 36.5, and the second Durant leaves, now you want to go. And all you've ever told people is you want to be the alpha dog on a team. Well, this is your chance. I mean, look, Dame has lost no credibility leading that Portland team every year. He's been incredible. He does the commercials. People respect Dame Lillard as a player. As a player, you've already won a chip. Where are you going to go? Like, who? Nobody wants you. I mean, 
Shams may put whatever he wants to put out there on his articles, but the truth is nobody fucking wants him. Maybe the Sixers, certainly the Lakers do, but there's no way the Nets are taking back Westbrook. And if they can't get rid of Durant just yet, you're going to reunite him with Durant in Brooklyn? No fucking way, man. If you thought Kyrie was toxic, bringing Russell in to reunite with Durant in Brooklyn is just a recipe for fucking disaster. Well, if they do that, then I think Westbrook gets the John Wall treatment and just stay home. Oh, God. That's even worse. Fuck. I think that's what if if Durant was still there, I I don't know. I would imagine they tell him, why don't you just stay home? But you got to take everything Shams says or Shams or however you pronounce his name uh, with a grain of salt because he's a clutch guy. So it benefits the Lakers if as basically a predominant clutch roster, if they were to get somebody along Kyrie's lines. So anytime there's a clutch client and Shams has this puff piece about them, it's just like, okay, well, did Rich Paul just text you directly and say, hey, I want you to write this up? Like, what exactly happened here? Yeah. Uh, People are saying him him going to Dallas. That's, I don't, I don't know. I do not, I don't, I would not want to put Luca with Kyrie. There's no fucking, Luca's already shown yeah. that he can be a diva. You bring Kyrie in there, they're either going to butt heads or he's going to, rubber stamp Luca's worst tendencies. You don't want that. So Yeah, I don't I don't see them coexisting. I don't I don't know yeah. why the Mavs would do that, to be yeah. perfectly honest. I a lot of the market for Kyrie is smoke screen from Kyrie's people. The Lakers are the only ones that have expressed interest. So yeah. the Lakers are just holding off saying we're not going to give you everything that you want because we're not bidding against anyone else. Which for once the Lakers are actually playing this smart. Yeah, but I don't think Kyrie's the answer either. Kyrie is not a facilitator in the way that they need him to be. He's a great point guard. Don't get me wrong, but like, he's not a facilitator for LeBron and for AD. He wants the ball in his hands the whole time, and that I don't think it's going to work. Um, so I don't know that he's the right point guard. Just like Russell, man, I knew that thing was going to explode. I think everybody with a right-headed mind about the NBA knew that was a terrible fucking decision. Because there was no way Russell was going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll totally tamp down my instincts as a basketball player in one offseason yeah. to help out AD and LeBron. It never happened. Yeah, the trade of Kuzma and, like, Harrell yeah. for Buddy Heald and you still kept KCP made way more sense, and they shot that down. Get a shooter. To yes. bring in a star, yeah. Yeah. You know what works with LeBron? Shooters. Shooters. Fucking, it's not difficult. 20 sure. years in, we've seen it now enough times. You know it works with LeBron? Shooters. As much he as is. he was like, I'd love another playmaker because it takes the ball out of my hands. Yeah. You want the ball. You always end up with the ball in your hands because you want the fucking ball in your hands. Right. So, yeah. And, just And do you really think shooters. Kyrie has learned his lesson? Like, over the last few years after he blew up, uh, after he forced his way out of Cleveland? Do you think he learned it? Now he's going to go back to LeBron with his tail between his legs? Fuck See. No. Kyrie didn't learn his lesson, John. The lesson learned you. And that's what you fucking fail <laughs> to realize. All right. You got to wake up and you got to see the lesson for what it is, which is a doorway to future possibilities. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah. That son yeah. of a bitch put on Instagram a gif of a caged bird flying away from the cage. I'm like, yeah, bitch, exactly. You built the cage. You put yourself in the fucking cage, man. Yeah, it's. <sighs> Yeah, he thinks of himself as Aristotle or Sophocles, and to me, he's more the Delphi Oracle sitting on top of that 
it with noxious gas and just saying stuff. And you're like, is that, does that have meaning? I don't know. I think you could read that any which way you want to. Man, I don't even know. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's a, he's an interesting guy. I will say that. To say the least. Um, all right. Well, let's get into our thing. Thanks, man. I appreciate you indulging me a little NBA. Hey, I love talking NBA. There's not a lot of people I get to talk to the NBA. So I, first thing I, you know, usually do when I wake up is start checking NBA news. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Oh, so we, let's get into our top tens here. We're talking about uh, uh, top ten films set in Paris or or occur predominantly in Paris. Uh, so it is based off of the movie that's coming out. Mrs. Harris goes to Paris, uh, starring Leslie Manville, who some of you may remember from Phantom Thread, which is a favorite of the top ten show. She's the sister mm-hmm. to Daniel Day Lewis in the film, and she's a fantastic actress. She's been in a British series called Mom for quite some time. She used to be married to Gary Oldman. She's done a number of things. I had a chance yep. to interview her for an hour and she was fantastic very lovely oh really so, yeah yeah I, uh, on the deep cut like three years ago i got a chance to sit down with her at collider and she was so sweet and very smart god damn it she's smart and so it was like it was an honor to be able to interview her so she's a great actress and i'm looking she looks uh incredibly short <laughs> she is short okay she like five foot was my guess five two would yeah, be my max probably around there okay probably around there she's just yeah. uh Anyway, uh, yeah, I think of her as a, the wife in Topsy Turvy. That's the first thing I think Oh, that's of. right. Yes, that too. Yeah, she, has blonde hair. White. she has blonde hair. That's right. Oh, she's so good as the wife in Topsy Turvy. That's right. Uh, but yeah, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. We're like, what about movies set in Paris? So I did the same thing. I, The more time you the movie spends in Paris, the higher it is on my list. Yes, agreed. Agreed. Um, yeah. And I've really tried to focus in on that. To so the bottom of my list, has some scenes in Paris. And yeah. then after that, like the more there, cause there's a few that, uh, potentially make your list that, um, yeah, I'm not as big a fan of, or I, I haven't seen in a long time. Sure. There's one that I tried to, to watch specifically for this list, okay. which is a, a sequel or a follow-up movie to another movie. Okay. And they kept alluding to the previous movie in that one. And I was like, well, I really need to watch the other one. Am I going to make time for both right. of these? I got like 15 minutes in and I was like, I really need to see the first one before yep. I see this one. I think I agree with you. That's why it's not on my list either. Yeah. It's, I was like, I, I, I don't have time to watch both. Yeah. And I think if you really want to feel the connection between these two characters, you need to see the first one. Yeah. So you can experience them coming back together in the second and actually have it have meaning otherwise, because yeah. they keep doing flashbacks in the first 10 or 15 minutes, two scenes from the first right. one. I'm like, this has no resonance with me whatsoever. So these <laughs> moments are lost on me. I should not watch this movie. Like tears. Yeah. Um, okay. So how do we do this show, Matt? Uh, we set a topic, go our individual ways, create personal top 10 list. Show back up here. I do my bottom three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He does his next two. Then we trade one a piece. Once we have revealed our personal top 10 list, we create the shows between the two of us. Boom. All right. Um, Wish number 10. So at 10, I think uh, you could put on, any number of movies looking oh, at yeah. my list. Yeah. Uh, I chose one that is definitely not on your list because I know you're not a fan of it. Okay. Uh, which is The Ninth Gate with Johnny Depp. Ooh, interesting. Okay. I didn't even know that occurred in Paris. Please go ahead. Well, he goes to, so it starts in New York. Uh-huh. And then he goes to, I want to say Portugal. And then from okay. Portugal, then he goes to Paris. Okay. Because uh, he has a book. Yes. Um, that is 
ends up, spoilers, <laughs> he needs to, uh, uh, there are these, I guess they'd be lithographs, I'm not entirely sure, the engravings that have been transferred onto paper and then put into the book. Right. I'm not sure what that's called. Okay. Um, spread across three books. Turns out the devil made of the, uh, I want to say there's nine total yeah. uh, engravings. The devil put three in one book, three in another book, and three in another book. And he sure. has to determine which book. He's trying to f- first off figure out what is authentic. And yeah. then he realizes, hey, not all of these line up. Uh, so the third book that he goes to inspect is in Paris. Ooh, and it's got okay. like a, a couple of uh, one big uh, fight slash chase sequence yeah, yeah. where uh, the devil or a minion of the devil, whatever, <laughs> uh, saves him. Yes. And uh, a tragedy befalls an owner of one of the books and whatnot. Okay. There's a, a nice a nice chunk. And then they leave from there and go to this eyes wide shut like orgy that is happening just outside of Paris. Whoa. Uh, so there's like a, enough going on in France. Right. I, I would say it's about of the overall movie, a quarter of it takes place in Paris. Wow. And then 40% of it takes place in France. 45% of it takes place in France. Okay. Maybe even, even more. Uh, there's just opening 20, 25 minutes is in New York. And then there's like a 15 minute chunk in Portugal, 20 minute right. chunk in Portugal. So then right. Subtract that from the overall running time. The rest happens in France. Okay. Blah, 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 blah. But I am a big fan of that movie. Uh, I realize people uh, don't like it as much. And uh, for some reason, I, I find it entrancing. Okay. And uh, I've watched it too many times, to be perfectly honest. But I like it a lot. Who's, I, the, I can't... who's the antagonist? Is, is, is it John Torturo or am I thinking Secret Window? Uh, it's not Torturo. Okay. So that's Secret Window then. Uh, it is uh, gr- a fantastic character actor. Technically, would be the antagonist. Okay. Okay. Um, the he's the one that pushes Depp's uh, Corso out to go out and authenticate the books. Okay. Uh, uh, let's see. His name in the movie it starts with an M. His last name. He oh, owns Pol- a publishing house. Polanski who directed this. Yeah, it's Polanski. Jesus. Is it Frank Langella? Is that who? Yes, the- Frank okay. Langella. Thank okay. you. So Frank is. That's He's technically good. the antagonist. Okay. It's a well, good villain. Make a case that the devil is the antagonist. Oh. Even though the devil is kind of helping Corso. Isn't the devil always an antagonist? I mean, yeah. Except when he's telling the story. I suppose. Great point. True. <laughs> and this is kind of coming from the devil's perspective on That's some true. level. I-, I didn't know this was uh, Polanski's. Interesting. Okay. Based on a book. El Club du Mans. Hello. That's probably the sex orgy stuff. They don't really get <laughs> too much into that. Like they go to it and whatnot, but you don't see anything. There's no nudity. So not like the boys, not like Herogasm. Yeah, no, it's not like Herogasm at all. No. Oh, that episode scarred me for a day or two. Um, all right. Uh, all right. I haven't seen it, so I can't opine on this one, man. What's your number nine? Uh, my number nine is uh, The Devil Wears Prada. Oh, because they have the fashion show. It builds up to Fashion yeah, Week true, in Paris. True, true, true. And so, so it's like they keep alluding to it, so it builds it up as a mm-hmm. big thing in your mind, and then eventually they go there, and it also then has the the twist of backstabbing and whatnot 
yeah. because of the culmination of Paris Fashion Week. Um, so I think for that reason, these these are also the two on my list where they're not as much in. Actually, the bottom three are kind of like a. If you may have other movies that are more set in Paris, yeah, I may yeah, not yeah. just be a big, as big a fan of them. Right. Um, but the Devil Wears Prada, great movie. Yeah, absolutely you know? great. Movie. Loosely based on uh, you know Anna Wintour. Yes. And uh, just the cattiness of the fashion industry uh, as a whole. And uh, yeah, as someone but, who uh, whose wife uh, got him into stuff like uh, Project Runway and now oh, watching yeah. and all that, know the importance of certain fashion weeks uh, to their respect. You know, it's their Comic-Con, guys. Yeah, basically. Uh, but even more fun. so, because this make or breaks careers as opposed to you're just showing off to build the buzz. But yeah. Until box office returns come back, you don't know if your career has been made or not. Right. Uh, but yeah, Devil Wears Prada, we went on. I like that making the cut that's on Amazon as well. If you haven't watched the Tim Gunn one with. Uh, I have. I, like I don't that. like it that the designers don't have to make their own clothes. Oh, right. They they can bring in. Yeah, they have like a sign seamstresses yeah, and tailors yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Because in I, that I first disagree. season. I don't disagree. Yeah, the first season, there's a girl who's just like. It literally has never sewn anything. Yeah. And apparently her design aesthetic is, I just throw bows on things. <laughs> and she has a meltdown and ends up leaving early on. Yeah, yeah. Like third episode or something, fourth episode. But I was like, she should be gone the first. She keeps. Yeah. I can dream up ideas too. Doesn't mean I'm a fucking fashion designer. And especially if your fashion design is, I, let's put a big bow on it. How's this? It's a little more complicated than that, but all right. All right, fair enough. Uh, just basically, she's the, the grown embodiment of Jojo Siwa. Just throw a bow on it. <laughs> uh, not to, I don't know what Jojo's at now, but I know I was for the longest say, drink, time. Everybody, everybody drink. Matt just made a Jojo Siwa reference. Everybody drink. Everybody drink. No one and, saw that coming. <laughs> all I know about her for the longest time is like she pulled her hair back to a degree that's like, that's got to give you headaches. Oh, yeah. And there's so much hairspray to keep it just immaculate, but then it was always a big bow. Yeah, true, true. Uh, yeah, I know nothing else. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> I assume she sings. I don't she know. Does. Yes, and she also came out recently over the last few couple of years. Yeah, so she's become an icon. That I know about her because of the, the Dancing with the Stars. Yes, right, exactly. Yes, yes. the first uh, uh, same-sex pairing. Right. Um, yeah, see, we ain't out of touch, people. We ain't out of touch all the time. Yeah, but I don't know what she's famous for other than. <laughs> She has bows in her hair. Right. That's literally all I know about her. Um, you know, I think Devil Wears Prada is great. And, you know, it's the first introduction for me of Emily Blunt, who I have a lifelong now for the rest of my life obsession with uh, because I think she's beautiful and incredibly talented. Makes anything work, any role work. She's just such a naturally gifted actress. And it's kind of ironic. It's kind of like seeing Rachel McAdams in Mean Girls, right? You're seeing someone who later will become much bigger, but she's starting out playing a kind of a mean role. And then later in the film, you see there's a little more to her than you anticipated. And it's a complicated relationship with Anne Hathaway as well, like who I enjoy just about everything I've ever seen her in. Yet I don't always 100% enjoy when she gets named as part of a cast. Then you go and see the movie, you're like, ah, she does a good job. You know, she's great here. Mm-hmm. Damn good in um, in Colossal, that small movie about the kaiju, which is great with Jason uh, uh, Sudeikis. And then. Oh, sure. And then, um, you know, obviously in Les Mis and, and uh, sort of other things that I've enjoyed her in. So that she, WeWork show. Huh? The WeWork show. Yeah. Uh, the we, she was great in WeWork. We crashed. Yeah. We crashed. That's what it she was. She was great in We Crashed. So 
Um, but she's great here too. Um, Adrian Grenier is the only one that sticks out like a sore thumb. You're just like, yeah. why are you in this movie, dude? You you are this. a TV actor. Yeah, this is not your level, son. No. Head on back you, there to Entourage. You are a TV actor. <laughs> I feel bad for her that she has to like make that work. That's a, that was the <laughs> most implausible part about Entourage. Like, I don't believe Vinny Chase here has the charisma to be this massive star that you guys are pushing him as. I agree. None of them do. No, they'd all have been swallowed up and spat out by the system for fuck's sake. It's such a goddamn fantasy. I love there was a shot by Frenchie uh, in, I think it was the last episode of Boys. He took a shot at, at the Entourage, which was hilarious. Um, but yeah, no. Um, but yeah, overall, great film and really well directed, really well acted. And yeah. Um, all right, what's your uh, eight? Uh, my eight is Inception. Ooh, oh, so where she's bending the stuff. Okay, go ahead, man. Well, they so Michael Caine, I believe, is a professor in uh, Paris. Yeah, that's how he meets uh, Elliot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when, because uh, I, I actually rewatched this for this show, mm. and I was like, I haven't seen this in a long time. Oh, 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 the whole thing. You watched the whole thing for the show. Watched the whole thing. Nice. Um. Ooh. So it shows up too, and then they're they're running all those simulations and teaching her about the mazes, yep. and they're setting up the plans. That all takes place in Paris. Yes, it does. Uh, so I figure for that, for that reason, it does take up a chunk of the movie. Now thereafter, they're in the consciousness, yeah, of you know Achilles uh, uh, Murphy, yeah, when they're on that flight, and then they go deeper and deeper into his uh, psyche, and yeah. then. Ultimately, the the question at the end and whatnot, but the whole preamble before we can get into who this individual, like getting into his subconscious and whatnot, they're yeah. running all this stuff, all this, the psychological operations, trying to figure out how to do all this stuff out of Paris. Yeah. So I figured, well, for that reason alone, uh, yeah. I think it's a large enough chunk of the movie where uh, I would count it for this. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, it was it was. Slightly better than I remembered it. I remember walking out of the theater going, that was good. I didn't uh, love it. Mm. Like other Nolans where I walk out and I'm like, that was just the tops for me. Right. Uh, but I'm also comparing it to that feeling that I get from Nolan. Yeah. Which is kind of undue. But at the same time, if I enjoy the director a lot, mm-hmm. then it just I'm comparing to your previous work. Yeah. Uh, it's It's kind of hard not to. I think it's a compliment on some level. Yeah, I still enjoy the movie very much. Um, it's it's the DiCaprio uh, Cotillard stuff that really gets me because of those scenes are so brutal, man. Um, and the way it's shot is, I mean, just for the time, it was, for lack of a better term, mind-blowing, you know, because I know they're going in the mines, but just the kind of ability to show the different stages as it's going along and, and I think when you see that film that um, Hugh Jackman did, God, I can't remember, Transcendence, I think it was called. It's on HBO Max. It's such a carbon copy of, of Inception that it's almost insulting. Don't even remember uh, that one. Transcendence? Yeah, it's him and uh, Tandy Newton. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was, I remember it was, the I trailer. Went see, I went to see it as a because it was a screening, and I thought I'd do a review of it, but I didn't 100% like it. But the film itself, um, Inception, is such a challenging film. Um, but I don't come, I don't go back to watch the full thing all the time. Uh, I watch scenes from it, but not the full thing. Whereas, like Interstellar, I can't watch it. Like, 
I have to be careful with Interstellar because if I watch one scene, I'm just going to put the whole fucking movie on. That's three hours of my life gone. And I, that's why I can only watch certain, I have to be careful of when I watch a scene because if I, as I say, I agree. That's what so I'm long like. as it starts inception, like once they get on yes. the ship, yep. I'm hooked. You yeah. got me. Fuck. Yeah, I yeah. still like that opening 30, 35, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Cause laying the groundwork of everything and why they're yeah. Yeah, yeah. But once they're actually on the journey, I cannot turn it off. Yep. <laughs> I love it. Uh all the way to the end. And like when it still gets me when he gets the message Ugh. after all those years being on the gargantuan yeah. one. And it's been 30 years or whatever ridiculous amount of time. Yeah. And him watching him break down, like, oh my God, this is, God, that movie gets me every time. Yeah. Uh, Where is yeah. It? Whereas I think Inception is really good and artistically, it is, it is beautiful. And the concept yes. is unique and original. And uh, there's a lot of great acting and uh, great, huge set pieces and action sequences and, and uh, the character driven uh, nature. Of the yeah. relationship that you brought up between DiCaprio and Cotillard, yeah. um, and the oh. ultimate question is: this reality or fantasy? Right. Um, you know, seeing it a second time, it really does feel like fantasy. Yeah, no, I think every time you watch it, you there's a chance to change your point of view of where whether you thought it was real or a fantasy at the end. I've gone back and forth every time I've watched it. Yeah, it's much like the Top Gun Maverick thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Where when he wakes up, it's just like, boy, everything goes rosy. Did Michael Caine know that he was going to be able to pick you up at the airport? Right, right. All that uh, you showed back up. You like finally see the kids' faces. But boy, those fuckers haven't aged. Yeah. Why and when was that? the last time you saw them? Yeah. It's uh, a lot of questions. A lot of yeah. Questions. A lot of questions. But I mean, that, that sign of, I guess, a good ending. It Absolutely. It leaves you yeah. inquisitive and, and wanting more, wanting a resolution. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, okay, <clears throat> so then my number 10 is uh, Moulin Rouge. Go for it. Not my favorite of the Boz Lerman. Uh, I think the Elvis one is really climbing up there to possibly take its place. But this is one that, although I do, I do think Nicole Kidman is miscast as Satine, I think a more capable musical theater actress would have been the better choice. Mm-hmm. And I do get that some people think she's gorgeous or super attractive. I've never felt that way about Nicole Kidman. So that affects my overall feeling about the film. But the direction is incredible. And it is, for a guy who loves music videos as much as I do, this film really hits the sweet spot of feeling like an extended music video throughout the whole movie. Uh, I think Ewan McGregor, always, like always, does fantastic work. Like Wazamo is good in here. The story is really heartbreaking. Um, Jim Broadbent is damn good in this. Uh, I think Richard Roxburgh does his job as a villain. Um, you know, he's the dad in Elvis as well. So, yeah, um, yeah I like oh, I like this film in its direction and the way they weave in these anachronistic songs and whatever. And he just has a skill at doing that. When he gets it right, it really works. And so for the so overall, I, I enjoy the movie, even though I may not enjoy Nicole Kidman as much of the movie. I enjoy the movie overall. So that's why it's number 10 and it's all in Paris. So. Yeah. Hopefully my wife doesn't listen to the show. Cause I didn't include that movie. And now <laughs> you're slandering it. It's one of the few movies she just loves. Really? Loves it. it. Well, it's part of the reason she was so jazzed for Elvis. It's Elvis and Baz. Yeah. Potentially her favorite director. <laughs> so 
Yeah, I just don't buy Nicole Kidman as that character. I really don't. I I saw it once and I was like, oh, that, that was fun. Yeah. yeah. It was beautiful to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the inventiveness of it is incredible. I mean, yeah. putting Placido, Placido Domingo in there as the moon, like all of it. And Come What May is one of the best songs you've ever heard in a, in a, in a uh, musical or in a, in a film. So, you know, it, it works on so many levels. Um, and it's got a tragic ending as well. So this is a real powerful film in that way. Um, my number nine is uh, Forget Paris, the Billy Crystal film. Oh, the Billy Crystal. I love this fucking movie. I can't, just like you with Ninth Gate, like I cannot explain why I love this one so much, but I do. And maybe because, you know, I'm a hu- I love Deborah Winger. Uh, and I love Billy Crystal. And this is Billy Crystal just before he makes that turn into being the old fuddy-duddy. Um, and he's still a bankable, romantic leading man in a film like this. And I enjoyed the hell out of this thing. Plus, it mixes in the NBA. I mean, ha- I mean he's just perfect to be an NBA referee at that stage in his life. Kind of sure. diminutive guy. I mean, him and Bug- him and that exchange with Muggsy was the only one who could understand me. All those things are great. But, you know, the whole film, the beginning of the film, the beginning of the whole film takes place primarily in Paris. And then, you know, he they start the relationship. He goes back uh, to America, but she stays in Paris. So we're getting a lot of scenes in Paris. Then he moves to Paris to try to make it work with her, and it doesn't. And so they come back or they move to America to try to make it work and it doesn't. Then she heads back to Paris when they break up. And so it's it's and it's all I know it's all being told as a story in a New York restaurant, but everything they're telling is yeah. happening almost majorly majority of it is happening in Paris. And so uh, I love it. And there's some great scenes in Paris that bring the city to life through a romantic uh, situation here with him and Deborah Winger. And it works. And there are some funny moments. I mean, her dad with the saying things as he's driving down the road, seeing the signs. I mean, that happens in real life, ladies and gentlemen. That's a real thing. So watching that uh, comedy works as well. And then there's some real um, bite to their back and forth when they're in the relationship that I like that the film doesn't pull punches in that way. So, you know, it's one of my favorites, honestly, I had to put it on the list. I just knew I couldn't put it too high. I need to see it again. (laughs) Well, it came out at a time where it wasn't made for me. Yeah. And I saw it roughly around that time and I, I thought it was fine. He directed it. And I think he did a better job with this than he did with Mr. Saturday night, which I do not like. Sappy. It's got its moments, but yeah, I think overall it's too too sappy. He wants to be like this. Yeah. You feel for him, but you kind of don't at all. Right. It's surprising, too, because he's a damn good actor. And when you're watching Mr. Saturday Night, there's like this undercurrent of ugly bitterness that yeah. you don't understand where that's coming from. I mean, you can understand why but you don't understand you just don't understand why it's there uh overall do you know what i'm saying it's not and it's not just the performance it's the overall movie feels a little ugly and bitter to it and i think that kills it and apparently they're turning it into a play or a or a musical on that i could understand yeah musical seems a bit but a play sure yeah yeah yeah, it's, I think that's I, yeah. I prefer Forget Paris over Mr. Saturday Night. Yeah, I think the most interesting thing about Mr. Saturday Night is like a, a young Helen Hunt. Oh yeah, or not Helen oh. Hunt. Uh, uh, 
Or is it Helen? Is it? What? Yeah, it is Helen Hunt from Mad About You. Oh, when she's the... Uh, when she's she's the, like agent. Yeah, agent. Right, right, right. Yeah, she's like a young, yeah. new at the agency type of thing. And then he takes over and she doesn't... He doesn't think she knows anything about him or yeah, show yeah. business or whatnot because she's so young. Um, anyway, all right, so that was my number nine. And then my number eight is uh, Anastasia, the animated film. Okay, sure. Yeah, I love that film. Really love that film. Great stuff by Meg Ryan and John Cusack and Kelsey Grammer. There's some really fun songs. And, oh, Angela Lansbury as well, playing the, the Russian aunt. Um, but, uh, you know, it's all they're getting to Paris. They're, they're on the journey to Paris though, and then get to Paris, and they spend a lot of time in Paris. They're in the back half of the movie, so... I just I really like this is one of those ones that stands out for me animated wise. It's always left us a, a smile on my face and I've always enjoyed seeing it. Um, and as I said, I like the songs. I think they do great voiceover work performances. Um, and it kind of has that, that animation has a mixture of realism with animation. So it allows you to kind of forget you're watching an animated film a ton. So I appreciate the um, expertise of that. Mm. And I, is it Don Bluth? I don't know if it's Don Bluth. That's a great question. It's got a Bluthian feel to it, right? but that's why I think I thought his production company went under before then, because yeah. the Secrets of Nim was like their big bet, and it did well. Yeah, it's Bluth. Uh, it's is Bluth, it Bluth? And, and Gary Goldman. I don't know who Gary Goldman is. I wonder if that was the last gasp of Bluth. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, because that's ninety-seven, Anastasia. Um, and I don't know. Maybe he was just brought in as a as a freelancer to do it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because like yeah, because then Anastasia, and then it's Titan AE. Go oh. right, and then it's a bunch of forgettable stuff. And now he's doing Dragon's Lair. The it's supposed to come out at some point, based on the eighties video game, <laughs> which was a groundbreaking video game. But who has who's yeah. clamoring for that? I don't know. <laughs> I, I I always liked the style of it, and yeah. I tried playing it at the arcade. It was too hard, so I stopped playing it. But I loved watching the cutscenes that would try and entice you. Oh yeah, true, very true. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know who's. Look, it, it could work though. Yeah. Uh, apparently, him and Goldman have worked, yeah, on Anastasia and Titan AE. So now, and they, he's going to be on Dragon's Lair as well. He's going to be co-director on Dragon's Lair. So maybe that's kind of part of it all dogs go to heaven so he's probably worked with this guy a number of times so hmm. um but yeah i mean just one of my favorites and it takes place a lot a lot of it takes place in paris and i just really enjoy it. it's one to revisit that i always enjoy animated wise and what have you so um all right what's your seven man uh my seven is mission impossible fallout yeah i didn't I, yeah i know i know it's great chase sequence in paris and there's some stuff in paris as well it's great well there's the whole like so the halo jump mm. is into Paris, and then they have to go to the Eiffel Tower where that big rave party's going on. The bathroom fight scene is yeah. happening at that Eiffel Tower. Then they have to go and meet with uh, uh, what's her name that was in Hobbs and Shaw as well. She's been in a bunch of action movies as of late. Yeah. Uh, really big eyes. Oh, was it Vanessa Kirby? Yeah, Vanessa Kirby. Yeah, Vanessa Kirby. Nice right. pull. Yeah. Um, you sure you're retired? I mean, I realize <laughs> the league's going under. The league's done, brother. I, I the league retired. I didn't retire. I mean, I retired, but then the league retired. So yeah, I think the league it gets rebranded or something. Wow, you think so? You really think so? It'll get started again in a different way. I would assume so, don't you? I no, I don't know what to assume. To be honest, I actually I haven't spoken with 
any of the the movers and shakers specifically mm. uh, that uh, about this. That's just me talking out of my ass for to to make you laugh to to fucking say you'd be on the seniors tur- uh, tour. <laughs> that's that's it. No thanks. No thanks. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. The, yeah. It's done. It's done. That's what they said. It's done. And and some people are trying to cr- say it's a work, and I'm like, this is no work, y'all. It's over. No, no, this is legit. Yeah, this is legit. I heard about this a little while ago and was said yeah. was told, please don't say anything. Yeah. This is happening. Like, oh, okay. But I wouldn't, but you're right. I wouldn't be surprised if he just kind of starts it all over again under a different name. Yeah, and, waits a certain amount of time. Yeah, waits a certain amount of time or whatever. So yeah. Yeah. Who knows what the contractual obligations are? Yeah. Non compete and all of that. Yeah. Know. But he's made it clearly successful at this. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Yes, so he was. maybe trim the fat of certain aspects of it or <laughs> something. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what the led to the overall downfall because I don't yeah. pay attention, but it seems like there's something there. Fair enough. Uh, but anyway, so there's the exchange, and they have to extract the antagonist yeah. out of Paris as well. So it's like the entire middle of the movie is set in Paris proper. Plus you get the nice shots of the Eiffel tower True. and the rave and everything. And the, the fight scene happening at the Eiffel tower and the meat yeah. and whatnot. So it seemed legitimate enough for me where a chunk of this is taking place at the biggest landmark and one of the largest landmarks in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I figured that mem- was enough. There are memorable scenes. They're not throwaway scenes. Yeah. They're memorable scenes. So that's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. There were other movies were just like, yeah, yeah, totally. This happens there. And be like, yeah. oh, does it? it? Seems like it's you know. Um, so it was it was enough for me. But at the same time, they do end up on that glacier at the end, yeah. And the start, the very start of the movie. Uh, plus, like right before that glacier, they go to to London, yeah. To so the they, house. Yeah. yeah, they jet set around a, yes. a little bit. But I would say the longest location they spend at any one time in the movie is in Paris. Fair enough. So that was enough because okay. I. Anastasia, I'm not sure I've ever seen all the way through. Oh, and wow. Okay. Forget Paris, never a chance of making my film. <laughs> uh, there were a couple others who were like, there's way more Paris in these. Right. But I just know, unless I'm going to sit here and lie, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just not going to make my list. So it's like Fallout. Yeah. There's always our sure. lists. They're always our lists. Yeah. Yeah. But I also don't want to be disingenuous with it. Well, like they, they talk about Paris. Right. Like, that right, doesn't right. fucking count. So, given that uh, the largest chunk any one time they spend in the movie, in a two and a half hour movie, yeah, is in Paris, that seems legitimate enough to me, and it's awesome. It's good. It's easily the best, in my opinion, of the Mission Impossible's. Yeah, I agreed. Yeah. Um, what's your six? Uh, my number six is an American in Paris. Oh, that's a punch. that's a punch. okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, my number seven is Midnight in Paris. Um, Go for it. Yeah, I was on the fence about whether to put a Woody Allen film on here, and that's legitimate. And people can be mad or listening to us or not, but uh, I wasn't sure if I should put it on. But this is it fits, and I do enjoy the movie, and I've always liked the movie. Uh, and I think the movie is maybe one of the best movies he's done since his heyday with Annie Hall and Manhattan. I think. Fuck Match Point. I don't understand why people like that movie. Bored me to fucking tears. This is the movie that I really enjoyed. Great dialogue. This is way out of his comfort zone that I've ever seen him do. And 
I just really enjoyed it. I mean, Owen Wilson is so good in this movie in ways that he's not in other movies. And he's so connectable and you're interested in his story. Once again, Rachel playing a little bit of a villain in this or antagonist, at least in this one. Um, you know, and Marianne Cotillard, a number of uh, Corey Stoll is good in the movie. And it's, you know, he's on hmm. this journey. He's on this journey trying to figure out, you know, what it is that's going on in his life that's causing these adventures in Paris. He's a writer, but he's clearly in a relationship that he's not happy in, and she's clearly cheating on him or in love with somebody else. And so he's just kind of trying to navigate all of that and figure out where he actually belongs. And, you know, it's a transition film in a guy's life. And the way he makes Paris come to life as a director, what he does in those sequences, you can tell there's a genuine love for the the um, artistry of that time, for the uh, writers of that time, for the creators of that time. And that comes through in the movie. It's a very magical movie. Uh, and then by the end, you know, what happens, happens. But I think it's one of the most, uh, one of the best films he's ever done. And I, I love that it's set almost entirely in Paris. And I like what we get to explore in terms of the different times um, as the movie goes along. And also what we explore in the relationships as the movie goes along. So yeah, that's my uh, pitch for Midnight in Paris. Um, yeah, I thought about watching it. <laughs> okay. But I've never seen a Woody Allen all the way through, and I'm. You know what? At this point, wow. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna stick to my guns on that and just never in your life. Trend. Nope. Never in your life. Never wow. seen Andy Hall all the way through. That's shocking. Okay. Uh, Manhattan. Like I've seen a couple scenes from Bananas, a couple right. scenes from Andy Hall, a couple right. scenes from this. Like I, I've seen stuff, but I have never sat down, hit start, wow. and watched all the way through a Woody Allen movie. That is. So I figured a little shocking to me. Why? Why break that streak? Yeah, it's kind of one of those of. Oh, he's the best. These are amazing. And yeah, the age when I kept getting told that it just wasn't the a the type of movie that I wanted to, and B, yeah, I've always, especially at that time, I rebuffed. Like yeah. I, I didn't listen to the Beatles for the longest time because I was told they're the greatest rock band of all time, and there's no discussion, and be like, fuck yeah. you, <laughs> fuck you. They're not the. There's no way you can tell me they're the greatest. There's no such thing. <laughs> And it was like 10 years after I had already I had already listened to everything else that came out in their period and then went and listened to them. And I was like, they are amazing. Flat That's out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just part of that period of my life. Well, you've never seen Annie Hall. You got to see Annie Hall. It's the best movie ever. Yeah. It's like, I, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and there, there are some good actors in the movie. Hiddleston plays F. Scott Fitzgerald. Um, you've got a young Leah Sadu speaking of Mission Impossible. Uh, in the film as well. And Adrian Brody is hilarious as Salvador Dali. So if you guys haven't seen it, I recommend you see it. Um, if you feel comfortable seeing a Woody Allen movie. Um, and then my number six is a classic, um, Breathless. Uh, I don't mm. know if you've seen it. It's a black nope. and white French film uh, true, uh, from uh, uh, Truffaut. And it's um, uh, Jean-Paul Belmondo and Jane uh, Seberg. An American uh, in the film, Jean Paul Belmondo. This is, I remember watching this one on um, IFC, I think in the early 2000s, and it absolutely put its hook in me as one of those classic films. And I just, I bought it on 4K on Criterion, uh, or not 4K, Criterion rather, and uh, rewatched it again. We just did it on the Cinephiles a few months ago, and I, I fucking love this movie. And all it takes all, it's all set in Paris. He's a, crum, he's a criminal who um, uh, reignites this relationship with uh what's her name i forget her name the character's name but re reignites this relationship with her uh and from there he 
kind of oh sorry it's Jean-Luc Godard not Truffaut sorry about that Jean-Luc Godard directed, I always get those French guys mixed up but yeah Jean-Luc Godard directed this one but yeah but she's basically a, a former flame of his he is running from the cops because he shot a cop and stole a car and so he's hiding out in Paris um, and the whole time he is like romancing her wooing her while also trying to keep one step ahead of the cops so it's an interesting little film and then they get into these philosophical discussions about life about god about crime about uh, politics all of it is here so it's very interesting film um that if you enjoy those kinds of french new wave move new wave movies this one is one of the best for sure so and i uh, i'd be remiss not to put it on because i do love this movie so there you go that's my two cents yeah i wish uh i could join in the conversation but i have not seen it yeah don't worry about it i know it's not it's not one people go back to from 1960 you know, so, but it holds up and it's really, really good. So if any of you are film students out there and you haven't seen Breathless, do yourself a favor and watch it and understand it's a 1960 film. I just want to put that out there. Um, all right. Well, let's take a break before we jump into our top fives here, Matt, here are some words from our sponsors. Uh, we'll be right back right after this. And we're back. Uh, thank you so much for continuing on the top five, uh, top 10 train. We appreciate it. Let's get into our top fives. Matt, what do you got? Let's do it at uh, five. I've got the born identity. Oh, okay. Another one. Go ahead, man. It's another one where it's like, look, uh, the math, the bulk of this takes place in Paris and in France. It does get found on the Mediterranean Sea. <laughs> and it has to go to the embassy in shit. Where is that? Is that in, is that the Czech embassy uh, in the born identity? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then after that, he goes to like a gets a lead on an apartment because he goes to the bank and gets uh, stuff out of his security deposit box. See all the passports and whatnot. He's got an apartment in Paris, and they go to Paris. That's where they have that amazing fight sequence in the apartment itself. Yeah. Uh, but when they go on the run and whatnot, they're they're just going around Paris itself, and then eventually they go outside of Paris, much like Ninth Gate. Yeah. Um, they're still staying in France, but the bulk of the movie is in france itself yeah uh but he is running around in paris for a decent chunk of it and uh so i figured that was enough of a stretch because he does get found on the it's not like it's a hundred percent it starts no, and no. ends in paris itself he goes to zurich in switzerland that's where he goes to the bank yeah um yeah then they contact treadstone and that's yeah they end up in paris and so you're right. They drive all. They drive out to the outskirts of like uh, suburbs of Paris. Yeah, he goes out to go uh, Clive Owen is yeah. after him. Yeah, yeah. As the other Treadstone assassin and yeah. whatnot. But there's the fight at the apartment, and then they, they're like? running around. They go to the hotel and like yeah, cuts point. her hair, and they mm. dye it and all that stuff. That's all in Paris itself. Mm. And then just outside of Paris. Okay. I'm going to put it at my number six. I forgot that a lot of it occurred in Paris. I like Born Identity a lot. Um, yeah. They, there just is the, he gets found in the Mediterranean Sea floating. You know what? I'll take Forget Paris off just so we don't piss off your wife. I'm going to leave Moulin Rouge on here. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. <laughs> well, she's going to be upset that it wasn't higher on your list. Oh, fair enough. I'll take that hit. And that you said that Nicole Kidman is uh, I, quoting here in Ugo. I did not. <laughs> I never said that. directly what you said. I think we all said it. 
Uh, you won't go to AMC anymore unless no, you can slide oh. in right when the the show itself starts because yeah, you're not right watching after. that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I've heard you say that uh, too many times. You're ridiculous. We've actually, me and the dork dudes, have added a separate <laughs> text thread about it. God, he really does not like her. I haven't used Uggo since I was ten years old, probably. <laughs> oh, that's some funny ass shit. Um, all right, so that's your five. Born Identity is my five. Yes, right. All right, so I moved it to my six, so it'll make our list. Um, my number five is uh, Jean Depardieu from 1990, Cyrano de Bergerac. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. I love this movie. Love, love this movie. And as an actor, I hope I can play this role before I leave the earth. Um, I'm running out of time. But uh, it's such a great fucking role and a great play. And uh, I remember seeing this one in the theaters uh, with, with uh, because it was Depardieu, it was Green Card, and all that stuff was happening around that same time. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I know this guy now. Uh, I'm going to go see this movie. And I saw it in a small theater down, I think, in, in Fairfax, Virginia. And I absolutely loved it, just thoroughly loved it. And um, it's such a great version of the, pl- of the play with such life to it. And Depardieu is great. Um, Perez, Vincent, is it Perez? Vincent Perez? Is that his name? He he plays the uh, other suitor for Catherine's hand. Um, but he was the guy that I think he was the crow in the second or third film. Um, <laughs> so sadly, he did not have the success coming over that De- Depardieu did. No. Um, Although De- Depardieu's was like a three-year window. Yeah, it was. But I mean, then he went back to Paris and kept working. So, I mean, he wasn't... Yeah, uh, yeah, he was in the Crow City of Angels. He was in the Crow City, of, and he was also in Queen of the Damned. There you go, put that on the resume. Um, but yeah, Vincent Perez was uh, his right, and he's great in the film as well. So just you know, happen to catch the right people, and oh, it's not Catherine. Catherine, it's Roxanne. Roxanne is the name of the of the love interest there between both of them, and Brochet playing her. And yeah, she, hence the uh, Steve Martin. Yes, right with the Roxanne. Roxanne. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. Yeah, the Daryl Hannah one but yeah if you guys haven't seen this if you're into watching a film based on the play um the uh the edmund rostan play then i recommend this one because it is so vibrant and touching and moving and whatever you watch Depardieu do this to me is his greatest performance as an actor and i think he was nominated for best actor stateside for this film if i remember correctly okay he was nominated for best actor for this film so yeah yeah so there you go if you haven't seen it i recommend it um all right what's your four uh my four is the da vinci code oh yeah go ahead man uh i don't know why yeah but this movie in angels and demons i i really like a lot oh my god yeah (laughs) you're not wrong i know but, but look we liked or enjoyed Da Vinci Code. And my girlfriend is tough to get her to watch movies. So the sequel, she was like, all right, let's watch Angel of Demons. By the time the movie was over, she was so mad and she did not want to watch the next one. I was willing to watch the next one just to, you know, spend a couple hours. Next one's trash. Yeah. And she was just like, don't, I'm not going to watch it. I'm done. I actually, I think I like Angels and Demons as a film more than I do Da Vinci Code. Wow. Exactly. I don't know why I really like it. <laughs> okay. 
I, I, I perhaps it's the it's because it it plucks at the same heartstrings, uh, uh, kind of as Indiana Jones. Yeah, where it's this smart professorial character that has gets thrust into an action and's got to use his wits to you know basically it's like Indiana Jones meets Sherlock Holmes kind oh, of. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I really have liked both of those movies a lot. Yeah, I had heard some bad things about Da Vinci Code, and when we watched it, we enjoyed it. And it was an unusual Tom Hanks film. Yeah. An even more unusual Ron Howard film, to be honest with you. And it works. And I don't understand all... I mean, it's not a great film, but it's it's certainly a good film and a watchable film. Well, I think yeah. some of it comes from the fact that it's Dan Brown. Yeah. Yeah, right. People have... That everybody was talking about that book, and then yeah. you, know, you read it and be like, well, the chapters are three pages long. Yeah. <laughs> So you can barrel through like 10 chapters and you feel like you're really making a lot of momentum. Yeah. yeah. Uh, meanwhile, there's 200 and something chapters in the book. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just the ubiquitous, uh, ubiquitousness of the book itself. Yeah. I think it was kind of always doomed to never live up to expectations. And I think if you go into it blind, it's a really solid movie. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to be blown away by, and think oh it's in any kind of award conversation or it's like the greatest action film of all time either yeah Yeah. but it's a meat and potatoes really enjoyable intriguing idea uh solid acting from hanks and jean renault and a bunch of french actors i don't know the names of um and then one one guy who's been in like seven million films yeah uh, the Said guy is that right? Is he the he guy? He plays a one? villain that uh, he's the manager of the where they had that encryption key thing. Oh yeah, and uh, it's got the Florida Lee on the top of it, and they have to insert it in. He's like the head security guard there, and he's the one that puts him in the right. uh, uh, the armored car. Yeah, takes him out to shoot them because it's long as he's worked there thirty years or something. No one's ever come. It's the only one no one's ever come for. Yeah, and you guys are the first ones, so he wants to know what's in it. Uh, but he was in Das Boot. Yeah, he was you're in Brock now. You're yeah, Wing Wing Commander. He yeah. was in. <laughs> he's been in so many things. The hell, hell of a career. Yeah. Uh, Melina. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I don't know that, and but I do genuinely think I like Angels and Demons even more. Wow, wow. Yeah, and most people think I'm out of my fucking mind, and I don't That's know why. I can't put my finger on it. Perhaps because it deals with the Vatican. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe the intrigue. You and McGregor's I, in it. You and McGregor. Yeah, you and McGregor. I was raised Catholic. Yeah, I can understand that. So the you know I I, I don't know. Isn't Armin Muller Stahl? Isn't he the the cardinal in that one? Yes. Yeah. He's the one that eventually becomes Pope. He's the best. That voice yeah. of his is the best. Always so likable. Yeah, right? Even in Shine, when he's a terrible dad, he's so good in that movie. I go. Uh, yeah, I don't because I don't even know the girl. Yeah, Ayelet Zurir, the actress. I don't even know her. I don't know why you don't bring her back. Like, what's her favorite? Oh, she plays... Um, Oh, she plays Superman's mom in Man of Steel. That's who that actress is. Oh, wow. Oh, from Angels and Demons? Yeah. I thought you were talking about Da Vinci for a second. No, that's uh, how you Yeah. She's right. been in uh, a few different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she was in Daredevil. 
She played Vanessa Mariana in Daredevil. Interesting. Um, okay, so that was your five? Yeah. My four. Oh, four. Sorry. So my four is taken. Uh, a punt. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, what's your three? Uh, my three is Les Miserables. Oh, go ahead. Knock yourself out. Dude, so good. Are you kidding me? Outside of Russ Crowe's inability to sing. I still like him for the part, though. He is the main antagonist of the Still movie. like him for the... Don't you buy him as the heavy? I no. buy him as the heavy. Yeah, 100%. I buy him as heavy, not the heavy. That's oh, sure. dude. Oh. What do you got against Australians? Him and the ego. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't like Jackman, apparently, even though he's Wolverine Jack. for you. I love Jackman. Yeah, but you don't like Les Mis. I love I, I, I love this movie. Really? And I'm not a musical God fan. damn it. I'm not, not a musical, musical guy fan. too. I know that's incredible. Fucking love this movie. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's. I, I never could have imagined turning that play into a legitimate oh, yeah. movie to me. Yeah. And I think they pull it off beautifully. The the fact that it's all the actors singing. Yeah. You mean the and, musical? Turning the musical into a musical movie. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. uh, obviously it's a book. It's a story. But it's been in public understanding yes. and lexicon has been a play for 40 years uh but i when they announced the casting and whatnot and, and i'm a fan because my mom was a huge fan and i already know every song backwards and forwards because she Understood. played it so much in the car as a kid so i have an affinity for it i can sing the songs i know i know all the words i know all the melodies everything right uh and they announced the cast and i was like okay this could be, you know, this could work. I don't know. I know Hugh is a song and dance man before he, he came to, you know, prominence yes. as, as Wolverine and doing these action roles. I've yeah. never seen Hathaway sing, so okay. Uh, you know, Russ, he's got his band. I've never heard it, but he's got his band. And yeah. then seeing it come to life, even with Crow's, I'll be kind and say average singing. It's crazy because if you watch Russell, he did this black and white video with another guy. I can't remember the name of the song. It was right around the time COVID happened and the lockdown was happening. He was incredible. The watch to find the video is black and white, him and another guy singing a song. And I'm like, why the fuck couldn't you do that in the movie? Like, why? What happened here? And as the director, who was the director? Uh, Rob. Con, uh, yeah, Con was the guy who did a uh, Chicago, right? Rob Marshall. That sounds right. Yes, hold on, I'll look it up. I don't think it was. I don't think it was Tom Hooper. Maybe it was Tom. I I don't think it was Hooper. I think you're it right on Hooper. that front. Fuck is me, it? it is Tom Hooper. Yeah, God damn, God damn that doesn't seem right. Um, I don't know who Hooper didn't tell him to stop doing that, and you know, kind of get back on. But then again, you watch Cats, and you're like, yeah, this guy clearly thinks the actors have it got have it right the whole time because that's that was horrific so yeah well i think it's good they, they had everybody else singing on set mm-hmm. so to stay yes they did yes they did yeah with that like the hathaway getting her head shaved and singing oh, that's good stuff that's one take yeah, yeah yeah you're right you're right it's amazing yeah um so i think just the overall the feat of the film turning a three hour play into a two and a half hour movie. Right. Uh, roughly thereabouts. I can look up the, the runtime if need be. <sighs> it's, bad. it's three hours. 
Is it three hours? Yeah, right, it's so maybe three the, hours. Maybe the play's three and a half or something. Anyway, yeah, I, I don't know. I was going into it expecting to just think it was fine. And yeah. I have watched it uh, more than once. Wow. So it's kind of shocking. And I've gone back for certain songs. There's certain songs that I just love from that movie. Yeah. And I've, I've done it from that. I'm more often than not, though, I'll go back for the the cast recordings that you can find on YouTube. Like right. the, yeah. the anniversary show where they have all the different casts from around the world. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is awesome. If you would like PBS. They show it on PBS all the time. Okay. You can find it on YouTube. That's where I found it. Yeah. And they have the, all the different Jean Valjeans. And uh, it's, it's fucking, it's really good. And to see the different castings and then you start judging. Yeah. Oh, this one, fucking Sweden nailed it. And then other countries, you're like, no, not as much. So it's, it is from Les Miserables, the song he sings. It's him and Jeff Layton. It's in black and white. It's called uh, Confrontation from Les Miserables. And what he does here, going back and forth with Jeff Layton, is incredible. And then you watch the movie, like, what the fuck was this? So I just want to confrontation where it's, it's him and uh, Jean Valjean, where he's like, hey, you know, I'm more than a number. He's like, yeah. you'll know you're a thief. You'll always be a thief. Yeah. It's like, I stole that uh, piece of that loaf of bread to feed my starving family. Yeah. It's like, I will see you on this chain gang again. <laughs> I'm assuming that's maybe, I don't know. I don't know that the names of all the tracks, but yeah, I can fucking sing them. If you want to go ahead and start. To, no, no, I'm, I, I think we're good. I don't want us to get uh, a strike on YouTube. Uh, so we can move past. it. <laughs> so then. My number three um, is Amelie. Uh, okay. The yeah. 2001. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this movie. Absolutely love this movie. Audrey Tortu is just so perfect in the film and it you know, stars a number of other French actors that you might have seen a number of things like, you know, uh, Alien Resurrection or City of Lost Children. There's a number of those actors right around that time would pop up in this, but it's just a beautiful sweet gorgeous little fairy tale of a movie i love the way it's shot love the colors in the film the story it's telling it takes you all around paris it makes paris look so i mean it's already a beautiful city but it makes it look even more vibrant and beautiful and alive um and it's one that i come back to all the time if i'm like if i'm feeling down i'll put on sometimes i'll put on some scenes from amelie because it's just kind of lifts your spirits man. it really touched and for me it works for me it touches my heart and just kind of gets me in the right frame of mind again to move on but it's just a fantastic film and as soon as we announced this uh, or agreed to do this topic it was the first film that popped in my head Hmm. i knew it wasn't gonna be number one but i knew be in the top five somewhere so um but this is one that and i've gone back to see it like at least four or five times all the way through um because i enjoy the performances and the overall general vibe of the movie as well it's not a Heavy film, but it's a film that really hits the target it's aiming for. So that's what I'd say. Yeah, it's it's uh, quirky and fun. Yeah, and uh, I I've, I've seen bits and pieces. I had uh, an ex who liked it, so she threw oh, it okay. on. Fair enough. And yeah. but I never seemed to catch it. It was kind of one of those that was one of her favorites, so it was yeah. always on in the background amongst other films. Right. Um. So I never really sat down to watch it. Yeah, and it's the same director who did City of Lost Children, Alien Resurrection. No wonder I saw some of the same uh, actors. He also did a very long engagement, which I thought was a really good World War One film. I think it's World War One. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's um, Jean-Pierre Junet. So there you go. Um, all right, what's your two? 
Uh, my deuce is Ratatouille. That's my two. I had a feeling. I had a feeling. I mean, it just, it said right. all in Paris. Yeah. The more in Paris the movie is, the more, the higher it was going to get ranked on yeah. my, uh, uh, on my list. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful love letter to Paris. Absolutely. And, Great voiceover uh, work. Um, yeah. Fun story. And what an, what a moment near the end of that movie. I mean, Pixar has those moments every once in a while in their films, but like that moment is a memorable moment when um, Anton Ego takes a bite of the Ratatouille. And it takes happens. him back to yeah. him as a child. Yeah, I wonder if, uh, how often Pixar feels when they're making their or the lead up to do we have that Pixar type of mm. moment? Yeah. Thankfully, they haven't suffered the, the Shyamalan curse of <laughs> i feel like i have to do this so then you're just yeah. kind of forcing it in there even whether or not the story uh needs it specifically yeah yeah um but yeah it, it the great voice acting that you brought up um the way they make paris look yeah is it feels as romantic as everyone always describes it yeah, yeah. um and then the 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 kinetic and hectic nature of the kitchen they really bring that to life totally. um, and somehow make the world of rats palatable to people. <laughs> it's even got a little bit of intrigue to it, Matt, because you're like, well, is he the son of Gusto or is he not the son of Gusto? And what True. happened here and all of this? And uh, you know, and I and I think Garofalo delivers an incredible French accent, uh, doing her. I, I could not I believe, forget that she's in the movie, right? I could not believe how good she was uh doing the French accent. Um uh, just so, it, you know, and Brad Garrett is great, dude. That's a guy that doesn't work enough, in my opinion. I wish, I wish he was in everything, man. I really enjoy him as a performer, and like he's doing those Jimmy John. Even those Jimmy John's commercials are funny as fuck that he does. So it's, yeah, those are good, right? And so to see him, how much money do you think they had to pay him? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Jimmy John's got good money because they sponsor a lot of people who are famous, so they must have some good cash. Yeah, just he's got. All that Raymond money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. So to do, hey, you want to do our Jimmy John's commercials? Like, what is it through his production company? And he got paid on top oh, of it, geez. and he has full creative control or something? Like, I don't Maybe. know. That's how uh, the AT and T actress Melina Ventrup. That's how she has it. She is the she directs the majority of the spots now. Um, oh, good for her. The, yeah, that was a negotiated thing. Like, yeah, I'll stay on. But I need to be cre uh, satisfied creatively, so I'm going to start writing the spots, casting the spots, directing the spots. And so, okay. And it also stemmed from the fact that she felt uh, there was a lot of body shaming or body – there was a lot of sexual stuff about her online. And Yeah, there was like, a ton. Yeah, so she was like, I want to control how my body is seen on screen. And so, yeah, why not? If you can make the money and people like what you're doing, knock yourself out. You know. Yeah, plus if you can get into the world of uh, directing commercials. Yeah. yeah, that's good money, dude. It's the best payday, I think, in town, personally, oh. outside of doing the high-tier voiceover work. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you go in and work for three days and you get a check for 20 mil Yeah, or whatever it is. And everything is set up before you show up on the set yeah. as a commercial director. Like they've got you. Yeah, you're approving the costumes, you're, but they have set everything up for you so that when you show up, you're just directing and then you roll out. It's yeah. And then you edit it. And it's a, you shoot a modest amount of footage. Yeah. That you're in and out on the job in three weeks. Yep. 
uh, yeah, between casting, shooting, editing, yeah. three weeks a month, yeah. done. It's the best. Yeah, it's a good gig. Yeah. Um. All right. So, what's your one? Which I imagine. Uh, my one is the punt from you earlier. Take it. Take it. This because technically it starts with him in the U.S., but his daughter is going to oh, it's all to Paris. Paris for yeah for a huge vacation, and then that's as soon as the actual movie starts, it's all in Paris. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, it it's so good. They made a bunch of dog shit sequels. Oh my god. And honestly, if they announced a Taken 7 right now, people would still go see it because you'd want to believe because the first one was so good. They're essentially doing that now with all his, like the yeah. Marksman, Memory, those, those are all, yeah. Those yeah. are all basically. It is all treading upon, hey, remember how good Taken was? Yeah. <laughs> it's legitimately uh, what it is. So, well, I mean, Taken, Taken is great. What can we say about yeah. Taken? Yeah, it's so good. Listening. It still holds up. And, and this is going to blow people's minds. 14 years ago, it still feels like it was yesterday. It still feels like it was last year, possibly. Like It's in our mindsets always as a pop culture mainstream uh, person. You know, you, you, you take and people reference Taken and you know it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's he that was such an out of there. And it, essentially that film it we're seeing now the fruits of that movie. Tom Cruise is 60 years old and just had his first billion dollar film ever. Uh, Jeff Bridges is starring in the old man, right? We're starting to see Mel Gibson and what he's been doing. Stallone coming out with the Tulsa King later on, on Paramount plus later on this year, there's all this stuff happening with older actors coming back to kind of reclaim this alpha dog status and the 50 to 64 year old demographic is now only second below the 18 to 34 year old de- demographic. So people want to see these older people back because they've enjoyed the content with them. And Taken was kind of the first shot across the bow of that. So it deserves a lot of credit, you know. I wish Van Damme would get in on this shit. Um, all right. So then my number one is the punt from earlier from Matt, which is an American in Paris. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that movie to pieces. Uh, I like it more than Singing in the Rain, even though everyone says Singing in the Rain is the best musical ever. For me, An American in Paris is a little bit better, just from the direction standpoint of it all. Uh, Vicente Manali's direction is just stellar in what he's able to do. And plus, a 16-minute ballet near the end of the movie, I mean, that's incredible. And it won Best Picture. Um, and it's Gene Kelly's, be- I think, one of his best performances, if not his greatest performance, Leslie Caron, one of the first films she's ever she ever did. And the story is really interesting. Oscar Levant is fantastic in the movie. So just from top to bottom, it is probably my favorite Gene Kelly musical um, uh, because of the artistry involved in it. It's it's a mm-hmm. masterpiece. And so and, and it's all in Paris, obviously. So there you go. What can I tell you? And the songs are great. The songs um, are great. It's yeah, yeah right? it's a story about the star-crossed lovers, you know, yeah. ships passing in the night. He falls in love with his friend's girl and then tries to not do that and uh, have the interweaving nature of the two stories. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Like uh, the I Got Rhythm. Oh, that so serves no purpose to the story whatsoever. Nope. I wouldn't cut it from the film. Nope. Exactly. It literally, it literally does not do any. All of a sudden, he's just singing and dancing for kids. Yeah. You're like, what does this have to do with fucking anything? Right. Don't care. It's really good. And Kelly was a well-known Francophile, so 
there's real love in the movie throughout. You can sense that he wants this one to kind of be an incredible film in his resume, the energy that radiates off of this thing. You know, I keep waiting for this to come out in 4K, but it, is, it has not come out yet. So they'll get you eventually. <laughs> they will. It'll be 8K by the time. It'll be 8K by the time he comes out. And then once the 8K, they'll announce the 16K. 20K is the jump. It goes 4K, 8K, 20K. That's the jump. Apparently, there's a 20K television. I'm waiting for 5D. <laughs> how does that work are you behind the person who is talking on the screen like you're you can see them from behind as well as from the front I, I wonder how 5d works. apparently the fifth dimension is a prostate massage and they fucking they get in there you know what i mean they get in there so in the big climactic is we go and you're you're fucking you're buying in that's how they get you hello they roll it out with uh, <laughs> Fast 15. And, uh, it's going to be a simultaneous release. It's the only thing that Vin came oh, back for was uh, that specific. Vin and, Vin and uh, put knocks on his wheelchair. That's what we did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right, Uncle Vin. Uncle <laughs> Vin. Um, all right. Well, there you go. There's our separate lists. Uh, let's put this thing together. I'm going to grab the Mongos out of the closet. I'll be right back. All right, so let's see. I guess Ratatouille then becomes number one, since we both have it as our number twos. And I don't, don't know. For those watching, I have been scratching my chest for the past twenty minutes because I got sunburn over uh, the Fourth of July weekend, and apparently, it is now coming to roost uh, these days later, and uh, cannot stop scratching uh, my chest. And I'm looking forward to the end of this so I can put a little more aloe vera on. <laughs> okay. I don't know if you've noticed over the past like 20 minutes, I've been scratching my chest. Oh, yeah. Have you got a rash or something? No, I got sunburn over the holiday Ooh. weekend. And I think that skin is finally peeling off. I didn't think it. I burnt myself enough to peel, but I haven't scratched like this from a sunburn since I was a kid. Wow. Well, since I was a teenager, I guess. All right. Um, so I guess Ratatouille is number one. Yeah, I would imagine so our highest for both of us where'd you have taken again uh uh four all right so i'd go taken an american in paris okay because Paris that was my six it was one to six and you're taking one to four right exactly makes sense okay yeah uh born identity is now five six five six yeah, yeah, yeah. all right so we'll make that number four okay and then we don't have a single thing in common no, I don't think so. So uh, what's your next highest? Let's do this. My next highest is, is uh, number three, Amelie. Well, it looks like we're flipping a coin. I got Lay Miz at three. Hold on. I think I may be able to join you as well. So I've got the, uh, the Canada coin here with the Superman on one side and uh, Queen Elizabeth on the other. I found it as I was cleaning up stuff. So uh, you can flip the first one. I'll flip the second one. So you're assuming I recognize that as an official coin of the show? <laughs> How dare you? This was sent to us by Matthew Hasso. So Us? I don't remember us receiving that. And why is it the Queen and Superman? I think that was a gift to you. Because <laughs> I'm British. I like the Brit stuff. You like it? Oh, no. Which would you be? Oh, good point. Well, either way, it's a coin that can be flipped. 
That's fine. Yeah, I I don't care. That's fine. Uh, Amelie won it. Oh, it did. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So then Les Mis goes next. What do you, what's your next highest? Uh, Cyrano de Bergerac at five. All right. So Da Vinci Code beats it. Nice. Look at you getting that on there. All right. Then Cyrano makes it next. Cyrano. Uh, I have my seven. I have my seven. We'll flip your coin. All right. Uh, I'm the queen. You're queen. We'll be queen. All right. Oh. There you go. It's Matt Nost. He wins. All right. Mission Impossible Fallouts. And what was your seven? Breathless. That is the list. Wow. Strong, strong list. All right. Let's get to this. The top 10 movie set in Paris. Yeah. At number 10. Breathless. At number nine. Mission Impossible Fallout. At number eight. Cyrano de Bergerac. At number seven. The Da Vinci Code. At number six. Les Miserables. At number five. Amelie. At number four. The Born Identity. At number three. An American in Paris. At number two. Taken. And our number one movie set in Paris is... Is Ratatouille. Hello. Uh, so there the list. Uh, it, if you go see Miss Harris Goes to Paris, let us know if it's any yeah, good. Let us know. I'd be uh, intrigued. We were both a, a fan of hers. Um, yes. But uh, that's about all I know of the movie itself. <laughs> that she's in it. Exactly. That she's in it. And it's called Miss Harris Goes to Paris. And she's uh, what? She's fascinated by a dress. Yeah, she's a, she's, I think she's a housekeeper or a maid. And uh, she gets fascinated by this dress because she's always wanted to be a designer. And so she goes to Paris and wows people in the design world as she tries to become a designer because she is not of the ilk to become a designer. And Yeah, she's not of their world. Yeah, it's an underdog story. So there you go. Well, uh, we hope you enjoy Miss Harris Goes to Paris. You can follow the show on Twitter at Top 10 Show. I'll spell it out. Otherwise, on YouTube and Instagram, it is forward slash The Top 10 Podcast with the number 10. So please hit us up. And you can follow me anywhere at Mad Nost. Uh, check out uh, Settle the Score, the other movie-related show that I do. And that is it for me this week. All right. So for me, you can follow me at The Roku Says on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, The Outlaw Nation on Twitch. And that's also my uh, YouTube channel, youtube.com slash John Roca Says, or just type in John Roca, The Outlaw Nation. It'll come up for you there as well. And my other podcast, don't forget to listen to that as well, The Geek Buddies and The Cinephiles out there for you all to enjoy. All right. Take care of yourselves. Be well. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of the Top 10. Peace. Bye. Ooh.